Good morning. My name is Sarah Hudnell, and I'm connected here at Calvary on the Connections team and in the women's ministry. Today's verse is from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Thanks, Sarah. My name is Zach Thompson. I'm on staff here at Calvary Bible Church. And thank you so much for spending part of your Christmas celebrations with us. And first and foremost, just want to say to you, Merry Christmas. I, I so appreciate uh, the traditions that we have, the, the things that we get to do at this time of year. And in particular, I love the songs that we just were able to sing together. They're, they're full of words that are, that are so commonplace. We use these words throughout the year, and yet they take on a, a, a special meaning at this time of year. We, we make sure that they are up in our house, that we focus on them. Words like joy and peace and love and hope. And yet, as we're singing about these songs in the context of them, they take on so much more meaning than we might use at other times of the year. I mean, we sang about joy to the world. Imagine that, the entire world responding with joy. Peace on earth and mercy mild. The entire world identified, known for being at peace. The wonders of his, of God's love, getting to see God's love clearly with no hindrances. And a little bit, we'll, we'll sing one of my favorite lines, a thrill of hope, the eagerness, the excitement that comes as we hope in this time of year. And, and the reason for that, the reason why we're able to praise, we're able to sing because of the, 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 these words, the, the reason why they take on special meaning is because of what was just read for us. Let me reread Luke, uh, Luke 2.10. It says, Then the angel said to them, to these shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so we're also, we're, we're told why we're able to sing these songs. We're told we're, why we're able to have this joy. We're told why there is good news for all people in the very next verse as well. The reason why this is the case is because of Luke 2, 11. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. 
See, the reason why there's able to be good news for all people, the reason why there's able to be this joy, the reason why this is a season of hope, of eager expectation, is because for us, a Savior has been born. That is what we celebrate, that God has entered into human history, born in a manger to save the world. Now, I'm sure as, as you walked in, many of you expected me to say all of these things, to talk about how Jesus was born, and that's great, and uh, how that's, that's the reason why we gather together. You probably expect me to say those things. But we cannot get used to this story. Hearing it cannot just be another one of our routines that we do at Christmas. We, we cannot be numb to the fact that this is the God of the universe, who has entered into human history to be the savior of the world, to be your savior. The idea is that all of us who are here together, we, we come from different backgrounds and, and different stories. We've had different weeks. Even this morning has gone differently for, for others of us. And yet we all come here limping. The idea that, that's so clear to us is that we all fall short of our own standards, things that we wish for our lives, that we wish to accomplish, like none of us are, are immune from looking back with regrets. And that's our standards, let alone the standards of a perfect God. All of us have despair and brokenness and pain and, and hardships that we've gone through. And yet in the midst of that God, perfect, holy, everlasting God, has broken into human history to be your savior. Not off of anything that we've done, but solely because of the work of God that he has provided a way for us to have all of those words that we talk about at Christmas. Joy and peace and love and hope. But I wonder if one of the reasons why we're used to this story, one of the reasons why it doesn't impact us, uh, impact us as much as it ought to, the fact that God has come as your savior, that we can be numb to that, might be because as we look out into the world around us, it, it feels like there's not much that lines up. We're told that there's good news for all people and yet it might be hard for us to find anything that's good. We're told that there's joy to be had and yet we might not be feeling very joyful. We are told that there is hope for the world and maybe we're feeling a little hopeless at this time of year. It makes me think of uh, another passage in the book of Luke, and, and it's one that we, we tend to look at around Easter. And I know I, I could be mixing up holidays here, uh, but I still think it's valuable to, to go and look at Luke chapter 24, which has this incredible passage in it. This comes at a point to where Jesus has, has died, and yet he was raised back to life to show his power over the dead, to prove that he is that savior of the world, to show that there truly is hope to be found in him. And yet his disciples did not feel that. They didn't see that that lined up with what they're experiencing. They just knew that Jesus had died. So how can they still have hope? They thought that he was the savior, that he had done these incredible things, that he was gonna make all things right, that he was gonna restore all that's broken, that there was hope to be found that's in him. And yet how could they still have hope if he was dead? And Jesus comes up to them as they're walking down this road to this city called Emmaus, and they don't recognize Jesus, even though he's talking to them. And this is what we read about in Luke chapter 24. 
It says, and he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, what things? They were talking about these things that had happened in the city, and Jesus was, was saying, what, what is it that you're talking about? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucify him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. He's been dead for three days. Do you see what they're saying in this? That we saw Jesus do these incredible things. He was mighty in deed and word, that, that he looked like he was gonna be the one to make all things right. He looked like he was gonna be the one that could provide us with hope, something lasting, something that we can look forward to. But now he's been dead for three days. So why would we keep on hoping? It doesn't seem to line up. Maybe we feel like that too. How can we keep hoping? How can we focus on these words at Christmas when it doesn't always feel that way? There's a, a part of me that, that's, that is a little bit dissatisfied with where Christmas falls on our calendar. I, I mean, the, just the event itself is, is a time that can fill people with a lot of stress. There's activities to go to, there's work events to do, there's things to cook and clean and prepare, there's gifts to purchase, there's uh, expectations that come from family, there's expectation that comes from friend, there's traditions to maintain, uh, holiday habits that you must prepare for. There's all of this that goes on to us that, that can make Christmas itself feel like a very stressful time, let alone the fact that it occurs on our calendar one week before the new year. It's nestled into this time of deep reflection. Everything around us is looking back on this past year. I mean, the lists are coming out, and they have been coming out for a while, of the top movies of the year, the top books and podcasts and songs and articles and gadgets. All of the top lists of the year are happening. If you have a Spotify account, you would have already gotten your, your rap, uh, what, what it is that you listened to over the past year, which then causes us to, to reflect, why was I obsessively listening to the Spice Girls back in February? I can't remember. Our social media posts get brought back up to us, the ones that we're most interacted with, which prove that you were right. The world did need to see that cheesecake that you ate. All of this is forcing us to look back on this past year but we don't need to be forced. Just with that new year coming, it's a time of reflection, of looking back over what has occurred in 2023. And for some of us, we'd, we'd have to really strain ourselves to think of something negative. It's been a good year for us. But for others, and maybe even for most of us, that's not gonna be the case. That as we look back on this past year, it, it comes with, with pain that we've gone through. Memories of loss, the, the reminder that this is a Christmas that's going to be spent without someone that we care about. That there's desires that went unmet. We are reminded of the times that we didn't know what to do and we still wonder, did I make the right choice? Did I make the right decision? A diagnosis that occurred, a long recovery process, a job loss, a car accident, Expensive home repair, conflict, and unfortunately, we can keep going on and on. And maybe some of us in here, we've, we've put this off, that we don't want to reflect on this. It doesn't sound very Christmassy to think about these things. We just got to get through the holidays, then we'll focus on it. 
Or maybe we came in here pretending. We told ourselves we just got to stop crying and sing joy to the world. Or for others of us, maybe you know all too well of what I'm talking about. And just by bringing this up, I'm prodding wounds that you're feeling. It made me think back to uh, a time, I was at a, the church that before uh, I came here and, and I, was, I was speaking at Christmas and um, it, it was coming at the end of probably the worst year in Emily and I's life that we had had at that point. And it was really hard to be excited, let alone teach people to, to see the joy that's found at Christmas at, at such a terrible year. And yet there's that little bit of optimism that we always feel. Even after the worst of times, as we get to the end of the year, there's that hope that things will be different, hope that things will be better, that, that little bit that can say, you know what, next year, next year's gonna be our year. It's gonna be so much better. And I was having a hard time getting there. And I was explaining that to, to the church, that, that it was difficult for me to feel the joy, the hope that's found at Christmas. And I, and I talked to them that by reading the Christmas story, by focusing in, by looking at this joy, this good news that's for all people, it was starting to happen a little bit. I was starting to get optimistic. I was starting to hope for this next year. And it, and it built up to this climax of, of me being able to say, and there's a part of me that says next year, 2020, that's going to be our year. <laughs> Took about three months for that to blow up in my face. But it points to that, that optimism that's in all of us, that longing of things to go differently, of things to be made right, of all that's broken to be restored. I mean, even as we talk about those top lists of movies and books and songs, if you listen to what they're saying, it's almost always pointing to a hope for things to be different. Most movies are a longing for things to be restored. Many books are, are looking for some sort of hope. And yet they continue to come out. We continue to have books about longing and hope because everything around us just seems to crumble. That our search for hope just leaves us feeling more, more hopeless. The image that the, the Bible uses to describe this is it talks about how this world that we live in is full of darkness. And I think that's an image that translates fairly well. That as we look back on this past year, we, we, it feels dark. That as we think about the things that we've gone to, it, it feels dark. As, as we think about trying to find some sort of hope, it feels dark. That we're fumbling around, trying to hold on to anything, and yet almost all of it crumbles. Even the good things that we find, it's, it's hard to see how do we use this? How does this impact us when we're in the dark? As we read about the Christmas story, at this moment that takes place at night, the angels breaking in with dazzling light. We can read that and think that sounds incredible, but it still feels dark. Maybe we feel like those disciples when Jesus was talking to them. We had hoped. We had hoped that this year would have gone differently. We had hoped that things could have gone better I mean, we read about the Christmas story, this good news for all people, and that sounds great. We, we hope that's true. But it just doesn't always feel like it lines up with what's going on. And so while I might begrudge a little bit where Christmas falls in our calendar, I do not begrudge where the book of Luke, this book that we've been reading out of so far, I don't begrudge where it falls in our Bible. Because after the book of Luke, you have all of these pages, all of these chapters, all of these verses that describe what does it look like to live understanding the hope that's come from Jesus. 
that he is the savior who's come, that he has brought joy to the world, peace on earth. What does it look like to live even if we can't see that clearly? In other words, these are the pages that describe to us how do we live in the light when everything looks so dark around us? And no place is that more clear than the very last book of the Bible. It's the book of Revelation, which gives to us a picture, a picture of hope, a picture of what it is that Jesus accomplished, what he begins on Christmas Day, which is our sure and certain future of all things being made new, of all things being restored, of all the darkness being exposed and eradicated by light. And this is Revelation 21, starting in verse one. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea, this place of chaos and turmoil was no more. So chaos was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. God will dwell with them. God will be with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Everything new. He also said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty, to those who have needs. I will give them the spring of water of life without payment. The next chapter continues this this, uh, similar idea. This is Revelation 22. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with 12 kinds of fruit, yielding fruit in each month. This picture of abundance, of lacking nothing. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, nothing broken, nothing destroyed. But the throne of God and the lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night, darkness, will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. When we talk about the hope that's found at Christmas, the joy, the good news that's for all people, we respond, we recognize that God is broken into human history. A savior has come, a savior has been born. And yet our ultimate hope, what we are rooted in, what we are looking forward to, what we are expecting is this certain future that's given to us. Jesus has come, we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus will come again, we celebrate at Christmas. The, when I see this picture that's given to us of the new heavens and the new earth, it is glorious. It is beautiful. I have wept, so I look forward to the wiping away of tears. I've seen death, so I look forward to its removal. I felt pain and sorrow and loneliness, so I look forward to those not existing anymore. I have needs like the thirsty that are talked about, so I look forward to complete and utter satisfaction. 
And yet the focus of this passage is not so much on what I receive. That's the beauty of it. We should take that. We should personalize this. But the focus of the passage is on a different pronoun. I keep talking about I, 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 but the passage is so focused on he, God. The reason why this is hope, the reason why we can root our certainty on this is God is the one doing this. God who proved that he has entered into human history at Christmas is coming again to restore all that's broken. God who uh, feels distant and alone, that it's hard to see him in the dark, has proved that he has entered into human history and we will see him. The beauty, what makes this passage marvelous is God says, I will be with my people and they will be with me. God with us and us with him. What begins in the little town of Bethlehem spreads throughout all of the world. What begins as this light breaking through as the angels sing is the complete removal of all that's dark, all that's broken, all that's accursed. And the hope of this passage is is what we read about in Revelation 21, verse seven. It says, for the one who conquers, that is for the one who endures, the one who hangs on, the one who clings to Jesus, not denying what it is that's going on around. It's not saying it looks dark, not saying that there is no pain. No, no, because of, or even in spite of of the pain, we cling to Jesus. That the one who conquers, the one who endures will have this heritage, will have this future, will have this fulfillment of hope, an eternity of no pain or sadness or brokenness or hurt or despair or loss or tears or needs or unmet needs or uh, confusion or loneliness or any of those words that we have far too many of. Our thesaurus of pain will be no more. It's replaced instead with the sound of God's voice describing you as his daughter, you as his son, you as with him, the God of the universe intimately close as light breaks through the darkness now and forevermore. That is the hope of Christmas. So where do you find hope? And the answer as we read this is you don't. Hope came to you. Jesus born this day coming so that we can have hope. Jesus who went to the cross on our behalf, dying for the sins of the world. Jesus who is coming again with the complete removal of all that's broken, all that's detestable, all that's wrong, replaced with pure shimmering light. And and as as we talk about this hope, this is not some blind optimism. It's not some mere wishful thinking. It's not some feeling that makes us all feel all nice and and cuddly inside. So often when we talk about hope, it could often be interchangeable with the word wish. I hope that this happens. We could just as easily say, I wish this happens. But that's not the hope that we talk about at Christmas. The hope of Christmas is a certain unflinching confidence in the God who has come and the God who's coming again. The God who's brought joy and he's bringing everlasting joy over all the world. The God who's entered into human history as a light in one place spread out through all of creation. And we might still be wondering, I mean, this still sounds good, but how can we truly have this hope? Is God really gonna act? Is is this all really gonna work out? Is God even really there? It's hard to see him in the darkness. That's why the light of Christmas is so special. As we get to see what God has done. 
illuminating, helping us to see what God is doing so that we could be certain of what God is doing next. And what he says to us is he's making all things new. He's shattering hopelessness forever. He's eradicating the darkness in a new and glorious morn. We celebrate at Christmas that light has come, looking forward to when Jesus has come coming back in pure, dazzling light, eradicating all the darkness. One of the traditions that we have at, at um, Christmas Eve services is, is we get to envision this picture. We get to experience it a little bit more as, as it might be hard for us to understand, to conceptualize it. So uh, what we do is, is we light candles together as the reminder of what it is that Jesus has accomplished, that he came into the little town of Bethlehem and yet his light has spread throughout all people and places and we look forward to the day when all of darkness is eradicated. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to grab uh, a candle yet. We, we have some tables in the back where you can grab one. Uh, if anyone happened to be in the student ministries room as, as an overflow, I invite you to come and join us in here as the worship team is coming up. I'm going to give us a, a little bit of an instruction uh, that will be helpful for us in participating in this moment, for us experiencing the best part of it, and also us not burning this building down. Uh, we have two more services to get through. It'd be difficult uh, if we don't have this building. So as I said, in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light this candle symbolizing what it is that Jesus has done, that he broke into human history. This little light that looks so overwhelmed by all the darkness actually spreads throughout all people and places, bringing light to all the darkness. From my candle that I light, I'm gonna light some of the peoples in the front row uh, so that this light is then spreading out, the single flame spreading out to all of this room. Once your candle is lit, if you could look around you to see, is there anyone that you can help light their candle as well? Bit of encouragement though, once your candle is lit, once there is a flame, please do not turn it sideways. It is much safer upright. If someone is looking to light your candle, you can go in sideways. But in a moment, I'm gonna pray for us. And then the lights are gonna be cut from this room. And we're gonna take a moment to just sit in the silence, in the dark, to remember where it is that we were, where every single person was, this world shrouded in darkness, but then to remember that we have seen a great light. We celebrate at Christmas that the light has come. Our hope is rooted in the fact that Jesus is coming back. So we're gonna cut the lights after I pray. We'll have a moment to sit in silence in the dark, but I will then break that by lighting my light. But let me first pray for us. Father, we are so grateful for the ability to gather this Christmas Eve to respond, to reflect, to remember what it is that you accomplished on our behalf, to celebrate that you have come, to celebrate that our hope is rooted not in something blind, not in just pure, unguided optimism, but it's rooted in certainty that as you have acted, you will act again. We celebrate at Christmas that the light has come and we rejoice that there will be a day when all darkness is removed. That as we come with different backgrounds, different weeks, maybe we're celebrating, maybe we're having a hard time celebrating, let us remember that you are the source of our hope. You are the reason why we gather. You are what we long for and look forward to. 
So as we sit in this time of darkness, let it be done so, remembering what you have done, eagerly anticipating what you will do next. So it's to you and you alone we pray. Amen. This world shrouded in darkness has seen a great light.